You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 153 of the Pimp Crown Warhammer Podcast. I am the aforementioned Pimp Crown, and hello to everybody. Whew. Anyway, GameMat.eu is the sponsor of this show, as is our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash pimpcron with two Ps. Look, I'm this far into the episode, and I am already acting weird. So tonight, we have a discussion about GW's intellectual property, and are they doing the wrong thing, are they doing the right thing? And also, we have a letter from Juicy Jim, and he writes saying that I am the smartest man he's ever known, yes, and I am his idol. So that's what he's... No, he's actually saying he agrees with me on the Complexity of Ninth Edition. And we also have a real talk where we finally do the thing I've been thinking about doing for all these years. And we have an orgy. Nope. We go over the statistics for the show, the listenership, where y'all come from, what do you listen to it on, all of that nonsense. What is the top 10 most downloaded episodes for the show from the last three years? All of that. Now, I know it's not quite the three-year anniversary, but it's getting darn close, and you know what? I decided to do it now. So, what have I been up to? Well, I managed, believe it or not, I managed to only work seven hours yesterday, which is like a, is, is basically paid vacation at this point. That's how much that is, and just James and I decided to capitalize on it by playing a game, and uh, we played Warhammer, 40k. I played my Grey Knights versus his new Drakari. And believe it or not, I kind of whooped him with my old outdated Grey Knights codex. Um, Partially because I went first. Partially because of Astral Aim, which allows me to shoot through buildings with a gun dread with a twin link las and a missile launcher. Partially because I exploded a raider and caused three mortal wounds on two other raiders. Partially because my Grandmaster on an Emissor Dread Knight also exploded a raider on the first turn, and partially because we were playing a custom mission with a bunch of civilians we had to save, and I underestimated just how maneuverable I am. I had two interceptor squads, they shunted onto, um, each objective was a, a civilian, and they were treated like a relic, so we could bring them back, you know, move them where we wanted, and they scattered when they weren't being controlled. And I had two interceptor squads shunted on objectives immediately. I deep struck on another objective on the second turn. And I gate of infinity on another objective on the first turn. And I just grabbed two more because they were within reach on the first turn. And uh, yeah, so I, I hurried up and grabbed a lot of the objectives. Now, at the end of the game, I mean, I was almost devastated. I had like seven models on the board and he had one. So it, it was certainly a bloodbath, um, but still, a bloodbath that was pretty fun. I beat him 5-1, to one? I think 5-1. to one. So um, if this were n the new rules, I beat him 25-5. to five. It was, But at the end, you know, he had two objectives at the very end, and I was able to kill his guy. So that, that would have been uh, 
whatever. The the swing would have been two more points. I can't think right now. I'm whatever. All right. Um, I also played Warhammer Age of Sigmar um, this last week. And I played, teamed up with my buddy Josh. I played my Tomb Kings. And Josh played his Beast of Chaos. And we played against TJ, who is a complete asshole. But I'm saying that because I know he listens to the show. So, TJ, you're an asshole. Anyway, TJ, <laughs> TJ uh, was playing his uh, Slaves of Darkness. And, man, it was a very good game. It was actually a really, really good game. We started out, Josh and I, started out with a couple-point lead. And then over the course of the game, TJ slowly, like, crept up. There might have been a five-point difference. And then the next turn was a three-point difference. And the next turn was a one-point difference. And the next turn, we were tied. And we, we were tied for the last turn or two until the very end, we were able to pull it out. And, uh, that was really fun. It was 23 to 21, I think it was. Something like that. It was an extremely close game. It ended up being really fun. And that's basically been my week. I, um, I have not had a whole heck of a lot of time for any hobby whatsoever. I'm not sure I've painted a single thing. I did paint six Ushabti archers to play against TJ, so there was that, but... I I really actually painted them the previous week, so I think I touched them up this week, but that was about it. So I've done no other hobbying. Uh, you also should check me out at Pimpcron. Uh, I'm sorry, Pimcron with one P TV on YouTube, and I am doing a sketch comedy series called What Hammer. Like, you know, when you can't believe what someone just said, and you text them back, "What W U T?" Yeah, it's What Hammer. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I just released the first Age of Sigmar one. We've been doing 40k ones. Um, but I've got a Necron one, Tyranids. Uh, I've got a Gene Steeler Cult one that's not out yet. Um, Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, Night Haunt. And I have a bunch of other ones that um, have either been made but haven't been posted or other ones that have yet to be made. But anyway, I have a list of like 15 episode ideas on this uh, list on my phone I keep adding to. So there is no shortage of ideas and I'm having a blast making them. So little known fact, I actually have a history of making toy movies and miniature movies and stuff like that. I was in creative writing class in high school. I did two years of that with Mick Storman. And whenever we had to do some big project for creative writing, we instead decided to make movies with action figures. And yes, we were nerds in high school, but they definitely do have some humor to them. Um, but they're also really cringy and horrible as well. So there's like that weird high school mix of some things you could pluck out and go, oh, that was pretty cute. But the rest of it was pretty cringy. But yeah, I, so I've always loved making little sets. I have a total of four movies made with action figures that I have in my personal collection that I made when I was in high school. And then the fourth one was actually made after high school. I was like 21, 22 years old and got all my friends and my wife. And well, actually, I wasn't quite. I got married at 21. So uh, I don't know if. You know, I don't, I don't know if we when exactly we made it, but the point is, is that I have a history of that, and I've always loved it. So, there you go. 
Uh, and no, they will not be released for the public because they are pretty atrocious. Believe it or not, the fourth one is the best one. It's got the best uh, effects. It's actually on DVD and um, all of that. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On this week's Tesseract mailbox, we have a message on Facebook from our buddy Juicy Jim. He's so juicy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he writes in and says, So I absolutely agree with everything you said about 40K on the podcast last week. Uh, he's, of course, referring to me saying it's getting far too complex. And, you know, while I'm at it, Just James and I were discussing it, and I have another analogy to help explain how I feel. Um, sorry, Juicy, you're, you're cut off in the middle of your message. Um, when the core rules are more complicated, it's like concrete foundation for a building. And then all the fluff and the army stuff is the wood structure on top of the concrete. So you've got a nice firm foundation and then everything else is dressing. The problem is the current edition is, has very simple rules or a foundation is made of wood and it's pretty simple. It's pretty you know, weak. And then all the walls, they've poured concrete as the walls on top of a wood foundation. So essentially, they have put so much complexity on top of the core rules. But the core rules themselves are not super complex. But they have built a poor foundation and then built concrete walls on top of that. So that's my new analogy for that. Anyway, from the beginning, this is juicy again. From the beginning of 8th, I thought turning all the USRs into the same shit with a different name was a step backward. Made it harder for me to learn as a new player. After learning the game with only indexes, stratagems were another layer of complexity that I had to come to grips with, but I did okay with that. Now, pausing you again, Juicy. Uh, I actually completely forgot to even mention stratagems. That is something that was new for 8th edition, and previous editions did not have any sort of thing as command points and stratagems and all that. So that is also a complete another layer of complexity. Anyway, back to Juicy. Then Vigilus, then all the new Space Marine. So let me let me get his his vibe back, okay? After learning the game with only indexes, stratagems were another layer of complexity that I had to come to grips with, but I did okay with that. Then Vigilus, then all the new Space Marine shit, then Psychic Awakening was just too much to learn at that point. Just had to trust my opponent wasn't missing anything while I tried to keep my rules straight. The 9th edition books don't look appealing to me at all so far. Like, have you seen all the layers Admic have to deal with? F that noise. <laughs> but they're super powerful, so hardcore tournament games gamers will talk about how great it is. So, thank you for writing in Juicy. And I, uh, I love it when people agree with me. And by agreeing with me, then that means that you are also a smart person because I'm always right. So you are siding with the side of light and goodness. But I feel like a lot of people will actually be in, agree in agreement with me on that topic because it's just so much. Like I said, the new player was trying to keep up with all of his rules. He could not hardly care what my rules were. And the same thing with me. Me and Just James back in 5th, 6th, and even 7th edition, and 
pretty much in 8th edition, we knew just by accidental absorption, we knew every single stat for every single weapon and all the units and all the special rules and all of that stuff. And now I can't even begin to tell you what stratagems, what armies have and all of that. Past the indexes, we stopped being able to do that. So that was a... it's pretty upsetting. But like I said, um, there's always a silver lining. Hopefully they will maybe streamline it a little better and just bring back universal special rules. I don't even think that's a big deal at all. But whatever. Anyway, thanks for writing in Juicy. Now here's an idea. Hey, we're bringing back, well, here's an idea, at least for this episode anyway. You know, there's a lot of talk about intellectual property and Games Workshop and the whole YouTube thing and the Warhammer Plus thing and all of that. And I just wanted to briefly chime in on that because I do have opinions. Shocker, I know, but I do have opinions on this. First off, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of things that people don't know about intellectual property rights and things like that, especially for big companies like Games Workshop. First off, a lot of people do not realize that whenever companies act like jerks when it comes to their intellectual property, at least in the U.S., I believe it's the same in the U.K., but at least in the U.S., you have to prove that you actively protect your own intellectual property, meaning that you have to go after people that are trying to make money off of your intellectual property, or if you are too loosey-goosey with it and you do not defend your own rights, then a court can deem it to be no longer your rights or public domain or whatever. So, that is one thing, at least in the U.S., that Games Workshop has to actively do, or they will lose the right to their IP, and obviously that's their moneymaker, so that's why they act that way. Now, when it actually comes to the whole YouTube thing, there's also a lot of misinformation about that as well When once you get looking into it. A lot of people are up in arms because there were multiple animation or animators on YouTube, and they got pretty popular, and they made some really cool-looking stuff like Hell's Reach and whatever. And then Games Workshop came to them and said, Hey, you want to work for us on Warhammer Plus? And I don't know how lucrative, I don't know what kind of money they're being offered, but... Um, some of the people took the offer and some of the people didn't, but there seems to be a lot of inf- misinformation, at least at this time, on the information that I can find on it. Um, one of the creators took down all of their stuff, all of their animations, when they accepted the job from for GW, and then it took several months for the negotiations to happen, and they ended up getting bullied so much on on the, online from the Warhammer community members that, you know, for like, you're a sellout to Games Workshop and all that stuff. Um, They got bullied so bad and they kept not hearing back from Games Workshop. They would email them and not get an email back. They just said, screw it, and just completely abandoned the whole thing and said they'd never work with the Warhammer community again. Now, personally, I think that's a pansy move. There, There is no amount of bullying that would cause me to break off a business deal. I just don't, that's not how I work. I got thicker skin than that, I suppose. But, you know, if Games Workshop's not answering your emails, 
maybe that was more of it than the bully aspect. Because you hear a lot of people talk about the, oh, they were so bullied, and I guarantee you they were. I have no doubt about that. Remember, I have waded chin deep in the Warhammer community for the last seven years. I totally get them. So I have no doubt that they were bullied. But to claim that's the reason why you quit, is be- that's that seems to me a little childish and silly and uh, paper-skinned. But I could also get really frustrated, and I could see what they mean, if you keep emailing them and you're waiting for a reply and... Um, I believe what I saw was three months they waited for a reply and, like, didn't get one. So, A, they're being bullied online, and B, they're not getting a response from Games Workshop. So, they're thinking, potentially, that the, the offer is all off the table now, and they just get throw their hands up in the air and, and walk away. So, you can see kind of where they're going from. Uh, another person, apparently, was at... And I'm not going to remember all these artists' names. F you, dude. Go look it up. But... Um, because <laughs> they all have stupid YouTube names, or they have stupid artist names. They don't have, like, uh, very highbrow names like Pimcron. They have, like, uh, oh, Jake4270, 360, no scope, whatever. I don't know, 42069, whatever. Blazing. And where was I even going with that? I got so excited about the YouTube channel. Oh, so another person did not accept Games Workshop's offer. And basically, their videos or animations were not taken down, but they were demonetized. So they couldn't have ads or whatever, and they did take down their Patreon. Now, I could not actually find whether or not Games Workshop made them take their Patreon down, or they just took their Patreon down. But the problem with this is that a lot of big corporations, they can strong-arm little people into doing what they want because they have so much money, and it's just the threat of hey, here's a cease and desist, or we're going to go to court. They may not even have grounds to sue you. They may not even have grounds to tell you to stop when it comes to court. But then by that time, they know that you don't have the same resources as a giant miniatures company, so you're not going to take that risk. But keep in mind, anybody can sue you for anything. They may not, they may or may not have a case, but they can still sue you and drag you through court and cause fees and all of that. And then apparently some other artists actually have signed on with them and they are working with Games Workshop and their other material on YouTube has been taken down. So from what we can basically gather from this, if you say no and you don't accept their terms, they will want you to demonetize your channel and potentially require you to shut down your Patreon, but you can leave your videos up. They have not made anybody take their videos down. But... Having said that, if you accept the offer, it seems like they are getting you to take down all of your animations that you did on your own and shut down your channel, and then you will just do that, which is probably caused by them wanting you to take down your animations off of YouTube and then go put it on Warhammer Plus is probably what the reason for it is. So I am not pro-GW in this case. I'm not anti-GW. I'm just trying to somewhat clear the air because I'm hearing all sorts of stuff at the gaming club. Oh, can you believe GW shut down that animator? I'm like, well, okay, hold on a second. They demonetized him. They did not actually shut him down, per se. And demonetizing, I mean, it is... At the end of the day, no matter what your opinion of Games Workshop is and how they're handling this situation... Ultimately, it is their intellectual property. They have made 
this lore and background and game system and the designs and the aesthetic and all of that is their creation and they do have full rights to protect it and do what they have to do to protect it even if that includes murder no i don't actually i don't think murder is covered under that but you do get what i'm saying now the next debate is are they in the wrong for shutting down this community stuff because doesn't people being able to create things in your lore and all of that, doesn't that kind of include more people in the whole process? Doesn't it include more people in your community? Doesn't it, you know, cause, isn't there more to enjoy if you are allowing people to create product or create material that in, that's involved with your game? I would certainly say so. I think that um, it helps foment a community and things like that. But ultimately, it is their decision whether or not they want to control it. And they are trying to create their own streaming platform. So do you really blame them for all this? I don't know. Send me a letter if you don't agree. Um, I'm truly, like I said, I'm, I'm not pro what they're doing, but I'm also not anti what they're doing. They, they are working within their rights. Do you need to exercise all of your rights all the time? Maybe not. Could you be polite? You know, if someone's in your way, you could say, excuse me, that's exercising your right to, you know, walk through this hallway. Or you could punch them in the throat, and that's still exercising your right to walk down this hallway, but it's doing it in an aggressive and kind of pointless manner. So, you know, are, is GW, write me or call me and tell me if GW is punching people in the throat or if they're saying, excuse me. I guess that's what that comes down to. All right. Well, I've said my piece. Like I said, they are well within their right, but do they have to exercise the full right? Hmm. I guess it's their call, isn't it? Let's get on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. On tonight's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, we are discussing some of the stats from the podcast. It is nearly our three-year anniversary, and I've never covered any of this stuff before, so I figured this might be interesting to you to find out where my listenership comes from, and what platforms they use, and what is the number one ranked episode of all time, and things like that. So let's get on with it. We will start with where my audience comes from. Okay, so let's look at it here. I have around 1.3, or 1,300, sorry, 1,300 listeners from the U.S. 1,300. Then we have 333 Canadian listeners. We have 187 U.K. listeners. Mike, I'm I'm looking at you. Um... Germany, there's 74 listeners, Poland, 65, Sweden, 42, Australia, 38, South Africa, 21, the Ukraine, 11, Norway, 10, and then it goes down from there. Uh, Cyprus is 9, Portugal is 9, Finland is 8 listeners, Denmark is 8 listeners, Brazil is 7, India is 7, Austria is five. Ireland is five. Now, how is it? (laughs) How is it? Explain to me how the UK, we have 187 listeners, but Ireland, we only have five. Come on. And Scotland, we haven't even got to Scotland unless that's not listed. No, it's not listed on here. But uh, New Zealand, five listeners. 
Spain, three listeners. Greece, three. Italy, three. Romania, three. Netherlands, two. France, one. France hates me. But hello to that one listener in France. And Jamaica has one listener. And then we also have seven listeners from unknown origin. (laughs) So the things that surprise me in this is we know that Warhammer is very much a... American and American and European thing. It's not so popular in other countries. So when I see something like 21 listeners in South Africa, that does surprise me because I am truly not aware of the existence or the uh, presence of Warhammer in South Africa. It's just not something you think of because it always seems to be a European or an American thing. Um, And... Uh, Some of them really surprised me. I mean, Brazil, seven listeners is still fine, but not entirely surprised by that number. But some of the ones that do bother me, like uh, Ireland, five listeners? Like, that's nuts. That's not very many at all. New Zealand, five listeners? Yeah, that's not. Not a whole lot. Um, Or Spain, for that matter. So, there you have it. Um, Probably, to no one's surprise, the top five are... The United States, Canada, the UK, Germany, and Poland. So, there you go, guys. It's a shout-out to everybody for the people that listen to the podcast. And, let's see what day of the week that I get the most listens. And, to no one's surprise, it is Monday morning, about 6 a.m. Uh, what is that, Greenwich? Greenwich Mean Time, GMT. And, um, it's about 6 a.m. on Mondays. And then the second most popular day is Thursday, believe it or not. I don't know why that is, but Monday and Thursday. Next up is the platforms that you guys listen to the show on. Now, of course, there are a bajillion different platforms. So these all these percentages numbers are all going to sound really small because, uh, you know, they're, they're split up among so many different ways. But... The number one way that people listen to this podcast is through Podbean with 17% of the audience. Then it's Apple iPod uh, podcasts with 16%. Spotify is 13%. And Stitcher is 9%. Now, after that, we've got Podcast Addict is 6%. Google Chrome is 5%. Google Podcast, 5%. Player FM is 5%. Uh, some of these I'm rounding up or down a little bit because it's like Google Podcast was 4.63%. So then CastBox, Pocket Casts, Overcast, iHeartRadio. I didn't even know I was on iHeartRadio. <laughs> Xbox, 1.26% of my listeners are from Xbox. Where does that even, I don't even know how that happens. Let me find another random one. Uh, Opera? I don't know what opera is. That's half a percent of you. Uh, Dog Catcher? Okay, Dog Catcher is uh, 0.05% of you. So it's like one dude uses Dog Catcher. (laughs) Whatever that is. I have no idea what that is. So... Let's look at the top 10 most downloaded episodes. This may surprise you, but I think it probably went a little viral. The number one 
downloaded episode is Old Hammer is a Bad Idea from March 16th, 2020. And I think that's probably because that got ran around in the Old Hammer circles with people going, oh, this is this is bullshit, you know, sort of anger. And then, not really surprisingly, the second most downloaded is episode 73, Warhammer is better than Magic the Gathering. And then, what your 40k army says about you is number three. A guide to kitbashing is number four. Hobby tactics, choosing a color scheme is number five. The cheapest way to start Warhammer is number six. Number seven is dealing with jerks in Warhammer, one of my personal favorites. Number eight is what is behind GW price hikes? Number nine is episode one, wife's perspective on Warhammer. And I got to tell you, for the longest time, I mean the last two years, episode one, wife's perspective on Warhammer was the number one downloaded, period. Like it was just, it was the reigning champion for like two full years. And it's just now been knocked down to number nine. And then finally, choosing an army is like dating is number 10, the 10th most downloaded episode. So there you have it, folks. That is all of the pertinent information about all of your brothers and sisters that are listening to this show weekly or whatever. And it's funny because a lot of here's a little bit more inside information for you guys. A lot of people don't realize that people tend to binge podcasts. And I actually do the same exact thing. I have so many favorite podcasts on, like, um, I typically use Stitcher. I can also use um, Podbean or Spotify, but I usually use Stitcher for my podcasts. And what's funny is I see the numbers. The numbers in the podcast on my stats are always going up and down and up and down. And, And originally, I was like, why is it going up and down? I don't understand. But... Ultimately, what it averages out to be is a pretty steady listenership for every single episode, but they come in like waves, and the reason why, and when I put two and two together, then I realized is that I listen to the same way. I might be working, and I will listen to six serial killer podcast episodes right in a row, and then get sick of listening to serial killer podcasts, and then I'll move on to another one of my favorite ones is Cults. And I'll listen to, you know, five cult episodes and then get kind of sick of hearing about cults for now. And then I'll go over to um, one of my favorite uh, movie review podcasts, which is Now Playing. And I will listen to two or three of those Now Playing episodes because they're very long. And then I get kind of sick of talking about movies. So then I'll go on to something else. And, And then it might take me three months to get back around to that serial killers podcast because I tend to kind of burn myself out about it. And I see that apparently other people do the same thing. They, a lot of people don't want just one episode of something. They want to binge multiple episodes because they're in the mood for that or whatever. And that's ultimately what I end up doing too, until you get sick of it and want to move on. But it doesn't mean you don't like the show anymore. And that was a hard thing for me to learn originally because I would ride this big wave of all this seemingly, you know, a swell of interest. And I'm thinking, oh, these episodes must be really good. But then it starts tapering off and then you get downtrodden. You're like, well, wait a second. Like, what did I do wrong? Is this 
content not good? Well, come to find out, you really can't go by that. You have to go by the average listenership for each podcast episode. And really, you want to wait about six months because you're really not getting your real numbers until about six months. It's funny because I've had a couple of those um, on the top 10 list there that uh, like the old hammer one, I cannot believe it's on the top 10 list because the old hammer one did not perform when it was released. I was in one of my lulls and it didn't perform that great. And I'm like, oh, I guess people don't care about old hammer. And then come to come to find out out now out of 150 some episodes. Oh, well, now it's in the top 10. So it's just such a such a weird thing to produce content that is lasting for far longer than you anticipate. And I hear a lot of that about YouTubers and stuff like that because they create, you know, skits or humor or whatever that might have been fine in that political climate of the time. And now looking back at it, people can still go see those skits from all those years ago, but the political climate and the social climate has changed so much, you know, with people being offended and all of that, that then a lot of people get canceled or roasted or whatever, and people will judge them on their content from, let's say, 12 years ago, because it's still readily available, like you can just go back and listen to it, or watch it, or whatever, and now those people are like, well, gee, I was 15 when I made that content, that's not me now, you know, I understand, blah, 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 I've changed my views or whatever, and it's just very, very interesting. I know um, some of the big YouTubers, um, like Jenna Marbles, she, a lot of her old skits really got her into trouble in recent years, but she's like, I'm a completely different person now, you know, so it's, it's very interesting, and that is kind of hand-in-hand with these views spiking, you know, a year after the fact, and it's, it's just weird because you... As a content creator, you forget about it completely, and you go, oh, well, that episode didn't do well, and then you look back at it much later, and you're like, oh, that's in the top 10 of all time, okay. (laughs) So, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this, and I'm hoping that this was interesting to hear where everybody's coming from and and all of that, and uh, I am thrilled. I get emails from all sorts of places and, and phone calls and whatever. And uh, I've made some really good friends in different places like the Philippines and the UK and Canada and just a a lot of different places. So it's it's neat that we can all share this, even though we're on opposite sides of the flat earth, you know, the opposite sides of the coin. I'm just kidding. Anyway, thank you, GameMat.eu, for uh, supporting the show. And thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons. You know who you are. And we will see you next week.